Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day guys, welcome to Grand Final Day 2021 with the Penrith Panthers taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs later tonight. There is so much content coming on the Rugby League Guru podcast today. It is not even funny, your one-stop shop on Grand Final Day. First of all, this morning, we're going to bring you a little interview with Scott Sattler we did last year. We actually did this in the lead up to the 2020 NRL Grand Final between the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. And of course, when we were talking to Scott Sattler, he went through the 2003 Grand Final He spoke about that tackle that he made, a couple of other big plays in that game. And, of course, he also touched on his father, John Sattler, of course, the 1970 grand final. He was representing the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And I'll let Scott tell the whole story, but just one of the most unbelievable moments in rugby league history. And, of course, 12 months on that interview, it is even more relevant today. We've got Scott Sattler's Penrith Panthers taking on his father, John Sattler's South Sydney Rabbitohs. Some of these stories are unreal. Later today, we've also got Craig Gower featuring on the podcast. Obviously, the Premiership winning captain from the 2003 Penrith Panthers. And then we've got our coaches clipboards heading into tonight's games. We'll have two podcasts. Coaches clipboard for Ivan Cleary and for Wayne Bennett. It's going to be a massive day on the Rugby League Guru podcast, as I said. For now, though, I'm going to hand it over to Scotty Sattler for him to tell you the story of the 2003 Panthers and, of course, his father's heroics all the way back in 1970 for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Sats, welcome on. How are we, mate? Oh, I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's a pretty good week to be a Panthers fan, just quietly. Yeah, it is. It's uh, pretty exciting. You know, it's, um, it's uh, the last grand final win. Um, they tried to defend it in 2004 and, and fell just a, a game short against the Bulldogs. But uh, since then, they've, they've played in and out of finals for a number of years. They've, they've hit a bit of a lean curve for a number of years as well. And and over the last couple of years, you could slowly see them uh, rebuilding again. So, yeah, Ivan's done a tremendous job. And, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's so exciting that um, 
it's uh, yeah, the, the Great West, the people of Penrith get to possibly celebrate uh, another Premier's victory. Mate, the Sattlers are no strangers to grand finals, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose um, no, the old man played in six and won four, and so he hasn't got a bad record himself. You know, it's um, they had a pretty pretty hot side back in the sixties and early seventies, and and um, yeah, so when you talk about grand final experiences, I think he. Uh, <laughs> He overlaps my experiences uh, quite easily. Mate, tell me about that 1970 grand final. That's obviously the one that he's, you know, he's best known for. Um, you know, obviously it was just before you were born, but, you know, obviously the folklore surrounding it, I've, I feel like I've heard a heap about it when I was growing up as a kid. It must have been massive for you. Yeah, there's probably a lot of things that, that people don't realise about uh, the, the game itself. And uh, John Bucknell, who was the front row who smashed, Dad's jaw. It was in about the second or third minute as he ran up in defence and wasn't involved in the tackle. It was just king hit as he turned around to get back into the line and he broke the jaw in three places, um, just underneath both earlobes, and then a clean break straight down the middle of it. So it was sort of the jaw was sitting in two two pieces that were sort of hanging down lower than what it was. And and throughout the game, he pushed his jaw into place every time he was about to take a run. His teammates didn't know about it. Uh, Michael Cleary was the first to know who was out on the wing. And he actually said to Michael, hold me up because I think I'm going to faint. I don't want these guys to let, let them know that I'm that I'm injured. So Michael Cleary looked at him and saw that what his jaw looked like. And Mick Cleary said publicly he thought he was going to faint at the side of his jaw. But at halftime, Clive Churchill said he wasn't allowed to go back on. He wasn't going to let him go back on the coach. And Bobby McCarthy and John O'Neill and Gary Stevens and Ron Coote and and Elwyn Walters, they all got together and said, listen, let's just let's cut him out. Don't let him take the ball up. So, But he kept pushing his way in and kept getting the ball and kept getting the, the extra treatment from the, the manly forwards. And then after the game, he was meant to captain the 1970 World Cup at the end of that, that season. And he was sitting in the dressing sheds after they'd won the game. And he pushed his jaw all back into place. And he was sitting in the, in the if you haven't been in the Sydney Cricket Ground, dressing sheds, there's a, there's a bathroom that's got a big bath in it and you're sitting on the edge of the bath and Claude Churchill came and said, I've got to let the reporters in, they want to know what's going on. And, and so he said, right, I let them in. So he, he let them in and as he sat on the edge of the the, the bathtub, all the reporters said, oh, we've heard you're breaking your jaw, is that right? And from all reports, Bobby McCarthy tells a really good story that he, he went to say, no, it's okay. He went to open his mouth and all his jaw fell apart oh. again and, and all the reporters, apparently half of them they fainted themselves and a couple had to leave the room because they, they <laughs> the side of the blood and and the, the state that his, his jaw was in, they, they couldn't actually look at it. it was that bad. So they rushed him off to the hospital, uh, still in his playing gear and, and wide his jaw up. He was like that for about um, yeah, eight or nine weeks. Mate, is was it that grand final that, you know, he's got no trace of the jersey that he wore? Yeah, so he used to give all his jerseys away at the end of the year. So if they made the finals, the grand final, he'd, he'd usually swap it with his other number. If they didn't make the grand final or they just finished the normal season, he used to give it to a, you know, one of the South volunteers or the guy that worked on the on the gate at Redfern Oval. But that that was the only one that he kept. His only South Sydney jersey he kept. He's got a half a rabbit, which got torn off at the start of the 1970 jersey. Of course, he was so superstitious, he didn't want them to put a new rabbit on. So it's got half a rabbit ripped off it, the back half of the rabbit. And uh, and because he got rushed to the hospital, they were going to cut it off him. And he said, no, there's no way you're going to damage this jersey. So 
I delicately took it off and gave it to mum. Mum put it in the plastic bag, actually, and, and still had it um, up until 1999, 2000, where a gentleman who owned a memorabilia company promised that he'd, he'd frame it for, for dad, and and then um, that's the last we ever saw of it. So well, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, find where it is to this day. Fuck, you're a brave man to steal off John Sattler, aren't you? Yeah, I know. And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people in the industry and they say that you know, people people of that nature who love memorabilia, hopefully it hasn't been damaged, hopefully it hasn't been uh, burnt uh, and the evidence is gone. Hopefully it's a person that's willing just to, I suppose, um, and, uh, anonymously hand it over to someone and, and get it back in the family because it's something that's you know, very cher- cherished by, uh, by the old man. For sure, mate. Mate, is there a moment in your childhood you remember that, you know, Dad did something or something happened that you sort of sat back and went, Jesus, like, this bloke isn't normal? He's tougher than the average bloke? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's actually a really good question. I didn't realise you were held in such high regard as a rugby league player until run around in his old jerseys, like his South Sydney and his Australian, that one South Sydney jersey, the 1971, and and his New South Wales and Australian jerseys. I used to run around those as a kid in the in the house, and but I didn't really truly appreciate actually what he stood for in the game. And coming into the first Origin game in 1980, and I was only about eight or nine, but I remember everyone stopping every sort of five or ten meters. Everyone wanted to talk to him. I thought he's, he's really important, and I remember asking Mum about it, and then that's when I started watching all the old VHS cassette tapes of his games and. Um, Yes, and got a true appreciation. When I realised he wasn't normal, was we grew up in pubs. We owned a lot of pubs around Queensland, and we still live in the pubs that we owned. But every Friday night, there would be someone who wanted to try and take the mantle, or try and take the the belt off the old man on a Friday night when he's he's had plenty of booze under his belt, and he had a a lot of Dutch courage about him, and he'd try and take him on physically. And the amount of times I couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen him clean up the average person who, who thought they were um, going to take the championship and went away with their tail between their legs or so many teeth in their face. So um, those those circumstances made me, one, think and understand and appreciate how good of a rugby league player and what he stood for and how tough he was on the field. But then he could handle himself off the field. I mean, it was quite amazing the amount of barbed balls that I saw him in where he was trying to protect a patron or protect the pub or one of the employees. It was, it was endless. It was week after week. And that's when I realized that, you know, why do these people keep trying to take him on? One, he played 78 minutes with a, not a broken jaw, a smashed jaw. But then outside of that, he can fight like four mongrel dogs and, and no one can beat him. So yeah, growing up as a kid, I, I idolized him as a, as a father, but also was, Scared shitless of him. <laughs> Fuck, mate. I'm scared shitless of him. I'm just hearing about him over the phone. <laughs> mate, obviously your dad, John, you know, he had that, that moment in 1970 that's, you know, it's obviously stuck in rugby league folklore and your moment would come in 2003. It's pretty special that father and son, they both have, you know, moments that every time, well, obviously it's November this year, but normally October, September rolls around and you're both normally featured heavily. It must be something you're extremely proud of. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're very proud, not because of the occasions. I think we're more proud that we were able to play in teams that that won premierships. And and um, yeah, the, the the those little moments that you're talking about with him with the jaw and me 
um, in the grand final with, with the tackle. I, I suppose unselfishly, I, I'd like to think we're both very unselfish teammates, and um, that unselfishly we don't think of that first. We think about the, the success of the side and the role that we played in that side. And fortunately enough, we played, we're able to play a role that, that many feel as though was important in the scheme of the thing. So, yeah, first and foremost, to, to try and he'd already run. He'd already won two premierships before 1970 and 67-68. Um, so he was sort of used to playing in finals now. For me, it was it was the first chance at a grand final, unfortunately. Uh, fortunately enough, a rather a win one. But in, in relation to the moments themselves, yeah, it's, it's nice when, when they talk about both of us at the same time of the year. I'd, I'd be lying to say, in saying it that, I, that I didn't think I was exciting. Mate, I'll ask you about the tackle in a second, but and you know that's obviously the moment everyone remembers. But outside of that, you you had a pretty handy game. I was watching it the other day, and I mean, Luke Pritter sets up that first try. You're the man that takes a hit up before that. You you put your nose through, you get to your elbows and knees, and there's a there's another moment later in the game where it's six all, and I think Gowie gets tackled on fourth, and you get the ball down the edge, and you just put up a perfect kick that you know Anthony Minicello spills, and at that time. Anthony Minicello wasn't dropping anything, and of course that leads to mm. Luke Pritis try. Like some pretty big moments that sort of flew under the radar. Yeah, I was always I was always a player that um, I was always a player that was happy being a role player. Like I was never going to be a Girdler or you know, Brad Fittler or Brad Clyde or anyone like that. I was always always knew that I was going to be a role player. And what I mean by that is just plugging the holes that you need to fill and be that teammate that is is always hopefully trying to be there for his for his mate and I was really comfortable with playing that role throughout my life I, my career I was really comfortable and, and you know I suppose it was really good coaching also from from Johnny Lang he was always he was always really mindful of if your players go down well there's got to be someone to step in there and, and fortunately enough I, I used to I used to do a lot of training with the halves and I, I played a bit of 5-8 throughout the years and so I always tried to add another string to my blow bow whether it was you know, long passing game or a short passing game or kicking game, whatever it may be. So, yeah, on that night, it wasn't a happy night for Minnie that night. It, it didn't handle the conditions that great, you know. He's, and uh, fortunately for us, yeah, that, that bomb he spilt. And there were a lot of moments throughout that game where I, I saw them as a player in the heat of the moment. I saw that, that to me, that it had really defining moments in that game that no one's ever really spoken about. You know, Luke Chris, you know, I, I know everyone talks about my moment in the grand final. And, and um, and whether it played a big role or not, you know, it's, that's subjective to you know to the onlooker. And, but I, I sort of feel sorry for Luke, Luke Pritis now and then because his performance was one of the greatest individual performances I think I've ever witnessed in a grand final. I and think it is the greatest by. performance, mate. Yeah, it, it, I think it's up there with one of Brett Kenny's in one of those three grand finals they won in the eighties. Just completely dominant from a guy that probably shouldn't have played in the game, like he. He, he had an injection into a rib cage injury about three weeks beforehand. Punched an alarm. Didn't train that much at all Grand Final week because he had a he had a household that was full of influenza. Possibly, probably shouldn't have played to be quite honest, but did, knowing that he's the only one that had Grand Final experience with the Broncos in two thousand and just just so simply dominant. It was quite amazing. He actually he actually pulled off a tackle on Craig Wing on the. Southeastern corner of ANZ Stadium, and no one's ever—it's never really, never really ever been brought up. But I remember on the night, if Craig Wing actually gets through the tackle, he scores in the corner, and I think it could have been a different game. But Crudo just 
single-handedly just manhandled him and was able to bring him to the ground in the wet conditions. And yeah, still to this day, I look at what happened to a moment as a key moment in the game. Mate, I remember being out there and it, it was just so wet. And, you know, the moment that I remember is that pass that, you know, Gowie's ready to take the field goal and Luke dummied it and he went down the short side and Chris Walker got got um, got um sucked in a little bit. And the pass that he threw, like if he would have thrown that on a, on a sunny Sunday afternoon, it would have been a good ball to throw it the way he did that night. Unbelievable. Well, if you watch the game just recently, he tried that in the first half. He got out of dummy. It was supposed to come back to the open. He got out of dummy half and threw a cutout ball to Luke Rooney and Ryan Cross intercepted it. Luke, uh, Tony Portool was was back there in defence and was able to nearly you know, just get hold of him and bring him down. So to have the courage and have the balls to be able to say, look, I'm going to try this again. It's 12-6. It's We're going to try and finish the game off with a field goal. We didn't even know. Gower was standing on the right side. I was standing on the left side as a left kicker just in case all the pressure came down on, on Gowie and and all of a sudden, he took off. And I remember the first reaction from, from a few of us were, what are you doing? And then he, he fired that pass. It was just great vision. You, you look at the vision again, and when he walks up to the dead, uh, to the, up to the, the play the ball, he actually looks through the corner of his eye up to his left to see what the numbers were. It was beautiful vision. And, yeah, it was an amazing, uh, amazing response to a guy that, you know, it didn't go to plan in the first half, but had the balls to be able to do it in the second half. All right, tell me about the tackle. Ryan Girdler puts a kick in, it rebounds, Freddie picks it up. Freddie throws, you know, another unbelievable pass in the pouring rain. Finish the story for me. Probably got to go back. Got to go back probably nearly two years um, because uh, when Johnny Lang came to the club, he, and me being the lock, he, I remember one of our first meetings, he said, you know, how do, how do you like to play as a lock? And I sort of I told him, and he said, well, you know, that's how I want you to play, but I, I want you to also try and adopt some old school lock methods, which is, you know, if the halfback goes down or the five-eight goes down, you've got to be able to kick and you've got to be able to pass. And But especially on fifth tackle, it's, you're on the opposite side of the ruck where the ball is and we're going to put the kick in. I just want you to start drifting in behind the line. Just in, he's always used a saying, saying, just in case you need it. And so I did that every training session and every game for, for two years until the last game I played for the Penrith at, it actually worked out in my favour where you know, Gerds went to the left-hand side. I remember running behind me. I, I remember saying to him in the game, where are you going? And he ran over to the right-hand side, grabbed the ball and, and put the grubber in. As soon as he went to put the grubber in, I sort of just started heading behind and that's when it ricocheted off, off Rico's leg. So, you know, if it was a dry night, I'm pretty sure Toddy Byrne would have been running around underneath the goalpost. But... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I do recall it being really quiet, really silent. You couldn't hear anything. I, I can recall in that silence, I can remember Reese Wester, our, our fullback, yelling at me saying, um, my nickname was Scooter. He said, Scooter, I've got you inside. So I just sort of I kept chasing and And if he stepped inside, Reese would be able to get him. But fortunately enough for me, he kept going down the sideline. Being a wet night, I, I was always being a bit of a mud runner. I was able to 
a really good contact on him and slide into into touch. When I turned around, I, Reese was about thirty meters away. There was no chance in the world he was <laughs> he was getting anywhere near him. But um, yeah, fortunate enough for me, it worked out. You know, unfortunate for Toddy. Um, you know, he's, he's a lovely bloke, Toddy Green. He's, he's copped an absolute pasting the last 17 years. and He's, he's, a, he's a very good player, Toddy Green. He probably doesn't deserve the, the abuse he cops. Yeah, you've certainly done a number on him, no doubt about that. Mate, obviously in grand finals, they're one in moments. And on that night, it was Luke Prittis and yourself that provided those moments. Who do you look to this Sunday for the Penrith Panthers? Funnily enough, I, you know, it is the... The, the usual suspects, which was you know, Cleary and Kikau and those sort of players. Um, I think if the Panthers win, I think Api Coruscant is going to have a Luke Prittis-like moment. I think he's going to be a player that will have such a dominant performance around the middle of the field that he'll, out, he'll outplay Cameron Smith. Uh, completely different styles of the game they play. But I think Api Coruscant has has the game of, of, his, of his career. You know, He's already said publicly that didn't feel as though that the 2014 Grand Final, he was he didn't feel as though he was part of that, even though he had such a tremendous game. But so yeah, he's got something to play for. He's, he's got a he's got a, a message to send, I think, on on Sunday night. And yeah, so if they win, I think I think it comes down to that man, the man in number nine jersey. Mate, Roycey Simmons, Luke Prittis. If Abby Curacao does it this week, I mean Penrith Hookers, they've just been braining it on Grand Final day for forty odd years now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, so uh, interesting how that that plays out. You know, it's um such a key position in the game, even before the six again rule, but even more so now. And he's just so crafty. You know, it's, I think he's going to be the one that when Melbourne are talking about the Penrith Panthers this week, I think he's he plays the majority part of their highlight reel. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.